Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on August 1st, 2021 on the basis of Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. Grace and mercy and peace are all yours through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you get excited to give gifts? I do. I get really excited to give gifts, especially when I find a gift that I know somebody is going to especially treasure. I literally can't wait to give it. And Chrissy can attest to this. Uh, that I very rarely make it to her actual birthday or Mother's Day or anniversary. Even Christmas once, I gave her a, gift, a couple gifts early because I, I get really excited to give the gifts. Maybe that speaks to my excitement. Maybe it speaks more to my impatience than anything. But uh, maybe you can relate to, to something like that because you enjoy giving gifts too. It's not always just the act of giving the gift. Obviously, that, that's a big part of it. It's, it's fun to give something to, to somebody, but it's also picking out that, that specific gift. It's also thinking of the, the perfect gift to give that, that person and the quality of the gift that you're giving. And, and once you find that gift that, that somebody might treasure or you think somebody will treasure anyways, of course, you're going to be excited to give it because you've thought this through. You know that person's personality, you know some of the things that that person likes, and you know that this gift is going to fill a specific need or want in this, in this person's life. That this gift is potentially going to have an impact on their life. It, it might be a, a small impact, take care of a, a minor inconvenience. It, it might make a big impact in this person's life. And as you think about the gift that you're going to give, you probably also start to think about the reaction that you might get when you give the gift. The, the look of, of appreciation on that person's face. It, it's enough to, to make you even more excited to give the gift, and, and maybe that's when you give the gift early, right? It's exciting to give gifts. But I want you to imagine that you, you've put all that time into to picking out a gift and you're really excited to give it, and then you give it to somebody, and they didn't really give you the reaction that you were expecting. In fact, it really didn't seem like they liked the, the gift or thought that they needed the gift. Either way, uh, it didn't really seem like they appreciated the gift that you, you gave. It's a little hard not to take that personally, Right? Even if they're just rejecting the gift, it doesn't feel like they're just rejecting the gift. It kind of feels like they're also rejecting you, right? Ever since 1947, uh, Norway has given the same gift to Great Britain every year. Every Christmas, the Norway has gone and they've picked out a, a really tall 60-foot Norwegian spruce tree. Uh, that's 50 to 60 years old, it, it's, it's a, a treasure to look at. And they've put 500 white lights on it and they've given it to the, the British. 
And the British have put it in, in Trafalgar Square in London. It's right in the middle so everybody can, can see this beautiful gift. Now, now, this isn't just a random gift that they give, but this gift actually has great meaning. Uh, you think of the, the time period in which they gave it. 1947 was the first time they gave this gift, and they gave this gift to the British as a, a gesture of goodwill, but also as a gesture to symbolize the friendship and support that the British had shown to the Norwegians during World War II. And so every time that they give this Christmas tree to the, the British, it, it's a symbol of the continuation of that support and that friendship. Along similar lines, every year, uh, the Netherlands gives a gift to the, the Canadians. Uh, but it's, it's not just any gift, it's 10,000 tulip bulbs. And, and even more, it's even more specific than that. In, in 2017, they even bred, the Dutch bred a specific tulip to, to produce the colors of the Canadian flag. And they give it to Ottawa each year, and the, and the Canadians display it with, with pride. Uh, again, this is a, a gift that had great meaning because it goes all the way back to, to 1945, kind of a similar time period, right? And it's a gift that, that is given from the Dutch to the Canadians because the Canadians protected the Dutch royal family during World War II. And so this, is, this was a thank you. And the first time that they said thank you was 100,000 tulip bulbs. And each year after that, it's been 10,000 tulip bulbs. These are, are, are great examples of meaningful gifts exchanged between countries. These aren't just random things that, that they're trying to give to, to um, appease a country or do something like that. They're symbols of an abiding relationship amongst these countries. But I want you to imagine that, that one year, the British said, we don't want your Christmas tree anymore. Or the Canadians said, you can keep your tulip bulbs, we don't want them. What's that going to communicate to that, that country? Well, at the very least, a lack of appreciation, right? Uh, disrespect, maybe a, a lack of goodwill. Maybe, maybe it indicates, hey, there's something wrong between these two countries now. Maybe it won't lead to war, but it's definitely an indication that, that countries that used to have a good relationship, that relationship has, has, sometime, has somehow now soured. We can talk about our giving gifts. We can talk about countries giving gifts. And, and it makes a pretty seamless transition to talking about God's gift and kind of a, a similar pattern, but, but stick with me for a second. God, God's gift was not a, a spruce tree or, or tulip bulbs, but God's gift was a, a solution to an ancient problem that has plagued mankind. God's solution... God's gift to his people was the solution to sin. And it was a solution that we so desperately needed. Ever since the, the, a long time ago, since the beginning of time, God had planned to give this, this gift to mankind that, that mankind desperately needed. The Father knew that this would be the, the perfect gift. And he knew it for two reasons. Uh, for one, it would be the perfect gift because this gift was, was going to be the only solution for sin. And number two, th this gift was so personal to the Father because this gift was his only son. He, he had painstakingly prepared this gift. 
and plan this gift over the course of thousands of years. And then the Father gave the gift. He gave the gift to the world. He gave the gift to his people. But the people to whom he gave this gift, they rejected him. You see this throughout Jesus' ministry. The Jews, the people that Jesus so desperately wanted to believe in him and have faith in him, they rejected him again and again and again. And you see the heartbreak even in Jesus as he looks out over Jerusalem and he says this. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. The Father's gift that he had put a lot of time into preparing, that that was going to be the, the perfect gift, was rejected by the people to whom he sent the gift to. And if you're the father, it's kind of hard not to take that personally, right? This, this personal gift that you have given to these people. In fact, it, the Bible says that, that those who reject Jesus also reject the father. So, so it is personal. The rejection of Jesus is also the rejection of the father. And the Jews aren't the only ones to reject Jesus. We reject him too. We, we may not consciously think, I'm going to reject Jesus or I am, I am rejecting Jesus here, but, but every time that we, we kind of set Jesus aside for, for earthly and temporal things, we're saying, you know, God, I, I don't really need this gift right now. I'll, I'll take your gift later, but, but I don't want it right now. I, I got my own stuff going on. It, it's, it's all good. I'll, I'll take your gift later. I don't need it. Or you're saying, I don't need this gift. I've actually found something more valuable, something that's more important to me. I like this gift better. We may not consciously think that we're rejecting Jesus, but every time we choose our own desires, our own wants over obedience to God, we're saying, God, my will is more important than yours. And in times like that, we may as well be praying my will be done instead of thy will be done. Rejection of Jesus, rejection of, of the Father, it's not a pretty picture. But, but when we're convicted by that and, and when we think about that in, in the frame of the entire Bible, we can also see the Father's great love here as well. Because the Father knew that the Jewish people would reject his gift. The Father knew that, that because of sin, we would reject his gift as well. But the Father still gave his precious gift, knowing that it would be rejected, because this precious gift was the only way that his precious people would not be lost. So, it was God's will to send his Son, to, to live in humility to be rejected by his people, and to suffer. It was God's will that Jesus would die on the cross as our substitute. Jesus prayed that very thing in the Garden of Gethsemane. You remember him. He is praying, he's praying so intently that sweat is falling like drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying to the Father, and he says, Not my will, but yours be done. 
It was the Father's will that his precious gift would die to save his precious people. It is by God's will and because of God's will that you are saved. And that is the precious truth proclaimed in in the Bible. We talk about the Bible a lot. We talk about the Word of God a lot. And the Bible itself is most certainly precious. But even more precious is the message the Bible communicates. Jesus Christ on the cross for my sins. That is our most treasured possession of all time. And that's the treasure that Jesus is talking about in our reading from Matthew. If you want to go back to, to, the, to page 10 in your bulletin and, and see those few verses there, we'll read them again here. Jesus says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then, in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. These two parables communicate a a similar thing. In the first one, this man is out in the field and and he finds this great treasure. And he values this treasure so much that he goes home and he sells everything just to, to possess this treasure. And the picture is pretty, pretty easy. It, it's symbolic to, to us, too. The Bible is, is, this, is this great field that, that we're searching for. We find the message of Jesus in the Bible. This is our, our treasure worth giving up everything in life just to possess the message of Jesus, just to hold on to the Word of God. The second picture is kind of like the first, but a little different, different right? You have this merchant that is looking for, for pearls. He's not out hunting, you know, the big one, but he comes across it. He comes across a pearl of, of great price, and when he does, just like the guy before, he goes away, he sells everything that he has just to possess this, this pearl. This guy has searched high and low for, for solutions to, to problems in life, but now he's found the one. It's similar to us, too, right? We, we, we can search and search and search, but when we find the gospel of Jesus, when we find this valuable treasure, it's worth giving up everything just to possess that treasure. Both of these parables are talking about that. It's talking about the gift that God has given to his, his people. It's talking about the message of Jesus communicated in Scripture, our, our greatest treasure in life. So, at the beginning of the service, when we talked about how this was going to be a sermon about God's, God's will, maybe what we've talked about thus far is, is not really what you anticipated hearing. A lot of times when, when we talk about God's will or when the subject of God's will gets, gets brought up, we tend to think of, of seeking out God's will or trying to determine what God's will is for my life. Because a lot of times you're faced with big decisions tough decisions, tough choices to make in your life. And you want to know what, what God wants you to do. You want to know what God's direction for your, your life is. And let me say that that's a, a noble desire. It really is. Because what you're doing is you want to, you want to factor God into your, your life. You want to do what, what's God-pleasing in your life. And, and a lot of times, we, we kind of wish that, that Scripture would, would tell us those things. 
We kind of wish that, that Scripture would tell us what, what job to take, what college to go to, what house to put an, an offer in on, but that's not really what, what Scripture was written for. It's not the purpose that, that we have Scripture for, and you're not going to find those things in, in Scripture. But as far as God's will goes, you will find that in Scripture. He, he reveals part of his will to us in Scripture, and it can best be summarized by three points. The first, we've already talked about a little bit. God wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants everyone to believe in him. He wants everyone to be with him in, in heaven. That's number one. Number two, God wants his, the truth of his word preached and taught in its truth and purity. He doesn't want any scripture twisting. He doesn't want us to leave out part of his word. He doesn't want us to add to his word. He doesn't want us to follow false doctrine. He wants his word taught in its truth and purity. And number three, he wants those who have faith in him to, to grow in that faith and grow in, in godly living, loving others, serving others and serving God in the process. Which really can be summarized by those two parables. It really can be summarized by saying, God's will is that I, I treat the message of Jesus as my most treasured possession in this life. That this gift is the most valuable thing that, that I have ever. Like, like the man who sold the field, just to pos- sold everything he had just to possess that, that treasure. Like the, the merchant who sold everything he had just to possess that, that pearl. That God's word and the message of Jesus is the most important thing in our life. That summarizes God's will pretty well. So we've been able to talk a little bit about God's revealed will. These are specific things that we're praying for. When, when we pray, thy will be done, these are things we're praying for. We're praying that salvation would come to us. We are praying that we would keep God's word in its truth and purity, that we wouldn't twist Scripture, that we wouldn't be taken away by false doctrine. We're praying that we would grow in our faith and godly living. And we're not just praying for us, but we're praying for others as well. To all the people that are sitting around you today, when you pray, thy will be done, you're praying for God's will to be done in their life as well as in yours. So you can know some specific things that you're praying for when you say, thy will be done. But there's another side to this too. You're asking for for more than just God's revealed will when you say, thy will be done. And it's it's an an ask that indicates trust. Because you understand that you, you don't know all of God's will. You, you know what he's revealed to you in Scripture. But there is so much more to God's will that, that you have no idea about. But because you trust your God who has, has told you in his word that he sent his son to be your savior, because you trust him, you also trust his will. And that his will is always best. That, that no matter what happens in life, God's will is always better than mine. God's will is always better than anybody else's will. And so when I pray, God, God, your will be done, I'm saying, whatever happens, Lord, I trust your will is best. I want your will to be done. So we, put, we can pray with confidence because we know specific things that we're asking for when we ask for his will to be done. And because we have, have supreme trust in our God who gave us the greatest gift anybody could ever give. So, so let's pray. Let's, let's pray now and, and we'll pray that God's 
will be done in, in a short little prayer here. Let's pray. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.